your source for everything paranormal. Para-X. The views expressed and the opinions given by the individual host and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Para-X, its affiliates, or its sponsors. The Gathering. The supernatural world can be a dark, intimidating, and scary place. We gather to shine light on the mysterious and misunderstood aspects of the paranormal world. We bring to the table years of experience as mediums, healing channels, and paranormal investigators. We share true stories from our experiences to dispel fear where we can and help you discover the amazing layers that make up the paranormal world. You are invited to gather around the metaphysical table with us and discuss the worlds of the unseen on The Gathering Radio Show. Welcome to The Gathering Radio Show here on the Para-X Radio Network. This is Heidi. And this is Stephanie. And this is a some kind of Tuesday. I'm thinking it's a tasty Tuesday. <laughs> Maybe it's hungs out Tuesday. So we've been talking about this in the chat room and the fact that I spent, you know, Casey and I spent like three days baking cookies. So I have containers full of cookies and I hid, I've hidden them in my studio <laughs> so that we don't eat them all before Christmas. And I'm looking at them. So and I know they're delicious, but. So they suggested the tasty tongues out Tuesday. So here we go. <laughs> anyway, how are you? Good. It's, uh, yeah, good. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Good. Surprisingly so. And and today was my last day going downtown for almost two weeks. So I'm excited. I'm excited. You got your week off now, right? A little um, I work tomorrow at home and then, oh. yes, then I'm off until January 4th. Ooh, nice. Isn't that exciting? It is. I know. And then I work for two days and then I'm off to the island for a few days. So, yeah, it's kind of crazy, right? But it'll be fun. It'll be really fun. Well, that's so it's, good. It's Christmas week. Woohoo. It is. Are you ready? For Christmas? Yeah. There's not much to do to get ready for Christmas. I don't, we don't do a lot of big stuff. So it's, uh, the tree is up, decorated, Mm -hmm. made some, some goodies. And I I put a post on uh, social media that I made some lefsa because Cindy came over and I showed her how to make lefsa Mm -hmm. and people were going nuts on it. They were just, oh my gosh, I love lefsa. I didn't know anybody made it anymore. (laughs) I'm like, well, where else did it come from? There's a there's a place called Taste of Scandinavia. They have one in um, right over here in Little Canada and one, I think, in Bloomington. And they have, Casey and I discovered it about a month ago, a month and a half ago. And we go there for breakfast every week. And they have this, it's, um, they wrap their stuff in lefsa, right? And you can just oh, nice. get lefsa too. Or they have like eggs and bacon with lefsa instead of toast, right? And it's mm-hmm. super good. And then they have all these Scandinavian goodies, you know? It's fabulous, fabulous. Yeah, but, that sounds. Yeah, that and lingonberries. Oh, I love lingonberries. Oh yeah, 
Lingonberry mm. jam. Mm-hmm. Yes, have some in my fridge that I bought there. But yeah, no, usually usually at the holidays or whenever we have lots of mashed potatoes left over, that's when we make the left side. But we haven't done it for a while now. So I'd like to make some homemade stuff. Yeah, we, I, I make it every year and I've been doing it for a long time. And of course, my grandma taught me how to do it mm-hmm. back when I was a kid. And it was uh, it was funny because Cindy, and she's in the chat room, she's probably laughing about this by now. Um, we, we had uh, my left's iron, you know, my left's the griddles going. And we start to smell something that smells, it's not smelling like left's anymore. It's smelling like burning electrical. <laughs> and my, the, the thing that plugs into the iron, you know, that goes into the wall, it's whatever, yeah. it's the dial that turns, on, I don't mm-hmm. know what that thing's called. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's smoking out the top of it. Oh, and no. I was like, uh-oh. Oh, and I'm no. looking at how much dough we have left. And I thought, I no, I'm going to power through. And Cindy's like, you, are you serious? And I'm like, let's just do one more. Come on. And then I did one more and I'd unplug it, plug it back in. It would spark a little bit. And then I'm like, we could do one more. She's like, are you nuts? We're going to start a fire. I'm like, I've got a fire extinguisher in the other room. Let's see if we can get one more. And she's like, I'm calling it. I'm calling it. put it and on a griddle. She's got to make it on a griddle. Well, That's what we do. Yeah. I ended up ca- um, calling Hardware Hank, and they had some in stock, and so I went and got one. Right in the middle, we buzzed over there, bought one, and came back and finished, and it was great. Oh and uh, But Cindy had to save me for myself because, uh, yeah, she said I was giving her heart palpitations. Well, you know what? When the left's is going, you have, like, it's critical timing. Right. You got to do it. You got to do it. But I know when we were baking this weekend, I couldn't find my KitchenAid mixer. I have a hand mixer that really powers through the big dough. You know what I mean? And my other one is like from the 80s. Right. But it's worked. It's been an iron horse all this time. But now it's starting. Right. And I couldn't find my KitchenAid. So I'm sitting there with this little one. And it's like burning, right? It's like, oh my God, the engine is like just going. The motor is like burning out. And I'm like, oh my God. And then I found my KitchenAid. But yeah, Casey's like, mom, I can smell that. And I'm like, I know it's going to burst into flames pretty soon. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, mine was probably 20. Oh, it's probably older than that. 30 years old. Yeah. Maybe longer than that, actually. I'm thinking about when she gave it to me and it might even be yeah, it might be 30 years old. So anyway, it, it, it's not surprising that it finally met its end. But yeah. um, so it left stuff. If anybody was asking, I thought maybe someone in the chat room was asking. It's like a, a potato Delicious. tortilla. So if you think of a, a flour tortilla, you know, it's kind of mm-hmm. like that, but it's made with potato. And oh, it's so good. So it's, it's very, yeah. Um, yeah, or someone said, uh, Jerry said it's like a crepe, but not it's really. It's of, not as pancakey. Really as a crepe it's really like a tortilla like you said only it's made out of potato i mean really all you need is mashed potatoes and a little bit of flour and you just mix it all together and you roll it out like sugar cookie dough and then you just we just put it on the griddle flip it over and then when it's ready to come out then we fill it with butter and sugar and it's so good yep and you cut it in quarters and you Mm -hmm. butter it and sugar it and roll it up and that's supposed to be like a dessert, and I don't get that. But it's oh, a good, it's I like it. It's not dessert for me. Absolutely but delicious. It's Absolutely good, delicious. yeah. <laughs> it's really good. So Cindy got to take some home after good. we didn't burn the place down. So good. that was good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was good. So the other thing I did this weekend, and this ties in with our subject tonight, but uh, Casey and I watched the Mothman Prophecies again. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I, that is the creepiest movie. And so let's welcome our guest in tonight, first of all. So Kyle yes. Cadell is with us. Thank you for joining us on this solstice. 
Hey guys, yeah. how's it going? Yes, on the solstice this year. On the winter it is. solstice, I know. <laughs> Isn't that fun? We say, we always like to have Kyle on the show at the, on the winter solstice. Well, around the winter solstice and around the summer solstice. So opposite times of the year. So how are you, Kyle? I'm doing so well. How about you all? Good. We're baking away up here. So yeah. is the season. Good. <laughs> I'm not much of a well. I used to be a baker. I actually used to own a bakery. I was the donut guy for it. Uh, I absolutely hated it. It entailed oh. waking up at three thirty in the morning <laughs> and making, I don't know, seventy-two dozen donuts. Oh, and it was not fun. But these days, I don't do that as much. Uh, I still enjoy cooking. The most recent thing I've done. Uh, it was actually last week. I did a Thai peanut uh, butternut squash soup mm. and some grilled cheeses, and I was very happy with that. But that sounds sounds that really sounds good. good. Yeah, that really good. Don't, don't do too much of the baking anymore. I was really turned off <laughs> from owning the bakery. You know, <laughs> that would do it. Yeah. <laughs> well, and now you are the owner, curator, and director at the International Paranormal Museum and Research Center, so totally different than Donuts, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of uh, paperwork still that's similar, but other than that, yeah, completely different. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Owner of anything, you're going to have paperwork. But yeah. that's why you're here tonight, because we're going to talk about cryptids. Yes. Yes. Sounds good. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, we uh, cover, of course, uh, in the museum. Like, we're called the International Paranormal Museum but I like to think of it as like all the even the term I use for paranormal is anything out of the normal, you know. Okay. And so a lot of people think ghosts with paranormal, but I like to think of it covering, you know, uh, cryptids and voodoo mm-hmm. stuff and psychic stuff and even serial killers and stuff. We cover all sorts of things at the museum under that paranormal umbrella, you know. And remind us what town that you're in in Kentucky again. We are in Somerset, Kentucky. We are a beautiful little tourism town. Uh, We're based on Lake Cumberland, Kentucky, that has more shorelines than any other lake in Kentucky. I think maybe even more more shorelines than uh, maybe top ten of all the lakes in the country. It's a... uh, huge tourist destination we get over four million people a year uh coming down for our lake and everything wow (laughs) and with all those tourisms or tourists you know there's just not much tourism there's my museum and where we have a big national uh monument battlefield but other than that like all these tourists come to do are spend the night or spend the weekend on the lake you know Mm-hmm. A lot of lost tourism dollars there. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, I well, hope they're coming to your museum. Yeah. yeah. we This year actually has been our best year ever. We've had uh, right at 4,000 people this year uh, come through. Um, cool. Total before this year was uh, a little over 10,000. So pretty, pretty oh. good, you know. Nice. I think people are ready to you know, go out and explore and do fun things again. Oh, absolutely. Now, were you at any of the big events down there? Did you go to CryptidCon this year? 
I did go to CryptidCon. We uh, we sponsor it every year, and this year we um, uh, sponsored it again and showed up. Um, we're vendors, actually. It's the mm-hmm. only festival we set up at this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're only going to do it and Mothman Festival, but unfortunately Mothman got canceled this year again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I... I saw some pictures from CryptidCon. It looked super fun. I know I kind of wanted to go this year, and we just I, we just couldn't make it happen. But I know next year we've talked about it a little bit. You know. Yeah, this year it. was unbelievable. There was yeah. uh, more than double the amount of vendors that they've ever had. There's more speakers than they've ever had. Um, uh, Lee that runs it actually told me there was. 80 some vendors that they had to say no to wow uh, so that's in addition to all there was i'd say there was almost 100 vendors there and it was in like it was spread out over that hotel more than i've ever seen wow uh, yeah it was oh. unbelievable they uh he told me that in 2019 they sold i think 400 tickets pre-sale and ended up doing about a thousand for the whole weekend, and uh, they did for pre-sale over a thousand this weekend. So wow. that's pretty unbelievable, you know. Wow, it's really come a long way because I think Heidi, I think the last time we were there was in 2018, maybe that's when we met you, Kyle. Yeah. And so we haven't been there since, but it was kind of slow. I mean, there were oh, I don't, I don't know, there were maybe 30 vendors there that year. I don't remember. Yeah, this was this was really great to see this kind of turnout. Yeah. Uh, well, I think we're going to have to think about it for next year for sure. So, yeah, well, that'll be, be fun. Yes. Yes. Well, okay. So, I watched the Mothman proph- prophecies and I know we talk about the Mothman. That's like one of your favorite ones, right, Kyle? He is my favorite. I think that was the first time I was ever on your old show. Yeah. About the Mothman. I love yeah, and I know fans. Heidi Ellis wants to search for one, and I'm like, uh, no. And after watching that movie again, I'm like, are you crazy? I would not be looking for the Mothman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they um, I mean, really play up the Harbinger of Doom aspect yeah, of that movie, you know? They do. They do. But, you know, it's. I think it's true, though, isn't it, that they do kind of come around before something catastrophic happens? Yeah, the, the big debate... I guess, quote unquote, for um, list, or for like people of the Mothman is like, does he cause like these mm-hmm. huge events or is mm-hmm. he there to warn about him? You know, yeah. but yeah. yeah, he's he's supposedly been seen at Chernobyl. Uh, he was supposedly seen at 9-11. He was seen at a uh, it was uh, actually up your way. I, we talked about it. I think the I-40 a uh, bridge collapse. Oh, the 35. Yeah. Was he? 35W? Yeah. I guess I didn't know that, Heidi. Did yeah, you know he that? was supposedly seen uh, at that bridge collapse as well. So, yeah, it's a lot of the big, uh, you know, uh, like yeah. tragic events, like the big impressions like that. So, curious, if you think, I mean, from your study, have you, do you know if he's seen... Like in the movie, he's seen prior to the the catastrophic event. What about the other ones that you're talking about? Was he seen prior to or during or both? Uh, Both for a lot of them. Uh, In Point Pleasant, definitely he was seen for almost a full year before the Silver Bridge collapse. Um, 
in Chicago right now, they've been having sightings of them for about three or four years. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that there's not been a giant catastrophic event there since he's been seen. But, like, they're, they've been seeing him a lot around there. But uh, a lot of times he's he's seen, you know, casually before an event happens. Um, and a lot of times an event doesn't happen. Uh, in Kentucky, he's been seen uh, as recently as 2008 in Pike County, Kentucky. And there's not been a big, like, to-do happen there, you know? Well, what about this? So maybe, like you said there's a debate. Does he come to help or does he come to create chaos? Mm-hmm. And if in these instances where he's seen and nothing happens, maybe it is on the side where he's trying to warn. And what if he's trying to keep it from happening? Exactly. And mm-hmm. even the, um, the silver bridge, of course, in West Virginia and Point Pleasant fell. And I think it was 46 people died in then. Mm-hmm. Um, but, because of that event, they started the West Virginia Department of Bridge Safety. And that that organization uh, found another bridge in West Virginia that was, like, imminent about to collapse, you know, and they saved it. So mm-hmm. because of that Silver Bridge uh, situation another bridge was absolutely saved. So mm-hmm. was that even important to the story? Was right. that bridge like another tra- tragedy that was about to un- unfold, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that happened here too after our bridge collapse. And maybe that's just part of the, you know, we better go around and look at all the bridges so it doesn't yep. happen again. But, yep. you know, it's an interesting concept to think, you know, what if, especially in the case of maybe Chicago or Kentucky, you know, or wherever he's been seen with no tragedies, is it something that he's trying to prevent or bring attention to? Like if he keeps going to a certain place where people then are seeing him, now they're paying attention to what's around and then they notice something that now they're not even associating with Mothman, but they go, hey, while we've been seeing these sightings, by the Mm -hmm. way, this building looks like, you know, it has a structural issue. Let's you know, take care of it or whatever. I'm not saying it's that easy or casual, but you know, what if the reason nothing's happened is because humans are paying attention that, you know, because he's there that now they're finding something else or, you know, what, I don't know, but it's an interesting idea. No, that, yeah, that's actually fascinating because a lot of the Mothman sightings, for instance, right now in Chicago are based around the O'Hare airport. And so there's a lot of those sightings in addition to a man on a jetpack that has been seen uh, flying around O'Hare. So what if that is something, of course, since there's been so many reported sightings, there's going to be heightened security. And so what if uh, the heightened security finds something that would have been looked over uh, previously, you know? So what Mm -hmm. if it is just this strange thing that leads to a very mundane reinspection that finds something, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, it goes like when we, we've been doing, we've been doing a little bit of UFO alien kind of research, at least on our end of things uh, mm-hmm. over here, Tim and I have been looking into this a little bit along with Cindy too. We've been all talking about it. And some of the the study that we've been doing is, is seeing that there's a lot of, you know, when there's these alien reports or unidentified beings, you know, that 
nothing bad is happening. And no. there's some ideas that, you know, that they're coming here to save us from ourselves or save us from destroying our planet or whatever. And what if Mothman is doing the same thing? What if Mothman yeah. is really some type of alien that comes and goes or is, you know, going to certain locations to keep us from, you know, wrecking our planet or something else coming to do harm to other humans or whatever, you know, this just because of the way it looks that we're scared, but maybe it's like, I can't help how I look. I'm here to try and help you, right. you know? So yeah, it, interesting. It is. Yeah. It is totally interesting. But yeah, yeah. that movie is, that movie to is a trip. about him being something that looks completely alien to us that would naturally draw attention if it was seen by us. Like just to think that that very act of it drawing attention away from something else may be a preventative measure or something. That's really kind of fascinating, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. I really like to see Mothman. I know. That's you. all I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, mm, no, I mean, I'll, so I know I've said this before, but I remember when that movie came out and my brother and I used to do um, movie dates every once in a while. And so he and I went to see it. And I remember walking out to the car afterwards and he just looked at me and he said, Steffi, I sure don't want that Mothman to visit me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, me neither. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I still to this day, I mean, I watched that and I'm just like, oh, it's such a creepy movie. I mean, you know, we were both like just spellbound the whole time and we've seen it multiple times before, you know, so. Um, but so. Other cryptids, Kyle. What what should what would you like to chat about on during this Christmas season? So one of our most uh, infamous cryptids we cover in the museum, of course, because it's another Kentucky connection, mm-hmm. are the Hopkinsville goblins. Um, oh. And the Hopkinsville goblins were seen in August of uh, 1955. Yeah, 1955. <laughs> in a small town called Kelly, Kentucky, which mm-hmm. is about 10 minutes outside of Hopkinsville proper. Uh, it's a tiny little town that um, literally now, even now, 50, 60 years later, there's nothing there except for a church and a rail- railroad station and a county park. And that's about it for this mm-hmm. town. But in August of 1955, um, there was a sighting. Uh, so not only in Kentucky, there's, I think, three states that there was a sighting of a an, a UFO that was orange to red in color. And um, the way that the sightings came in, it actually made sense for a flight path for one individual craft like a ufo or even a crashing airplane or something so um there's several reports of this ufo being seen and then in kelly there's a small farmhouse owned by the uh sutton family and they had uh people in from out of town about 11 people total in this small farmhouse that like it's the epitome of farmhouses in Kentucky in the 50s. There's no electricity. There's no running water. It's just a big two-story farmhouse that, you know, had beds in it, basically. 
and during the daylight hours you maintained the farm you know so for this weekend they had uh guests it was one of the um i think it was the stepson of the house owner and then some of it, he worked at a carnival and then some of his co-workers at the carnival and their children and it was grand total about 11 people in this farmhouse um over the weekend and one of them went out to the well as i said they didn't have running water they went out to the well to get uh just some drinking water because it was hot and uh saw a ufo uh the same one that was reported in three states fly over them there's a red and orange to color and like it looked to them as they as it crashed in the woods just outside the family property. So he ran back inside and told uh, the rest of the 10 people in the house, like, I just saw a UFO. It just crashed in the woods and everything. Of course, no one believed him, you know. Um, and it wasn't until about an hour later when uh, the patriarch of the family, uh, Lucky Sutton, uh, was looking out the window, he actually saw a little creature staring back at him. And so the d- big debate, even though they're called the Hopkinsville goblins, goblins, is are they aliens? Are they goblins? Where did they come from originally? You know, um, The eyewitness reports were that they were about three to three and a half foot tall creatures that were uh, kind of silverish in color and had almost what looked like goggles on their eyes uh Mm. that glue uh or uh glue a yellow color you know um and on top of that they had these like floppy ears that uh between the eyes and the ears that's about the only difference from your typical alien gray that you would think of you know Mm -hmm. um so the as i said the family saw these creatures coming out of the woods, uh, all told in about a six-hour siege on this house, they saw about 10 to 15 of these creatures that are three to three and a half foot tall come out of the woods and come towards the house. Um, Eventually, Lucky and the other guy that saw the uh, UFO first, his name was Elmore, uh, they got uh, their guns out and started shooting at these creatures. Um, Lucky shot at him first, I believe. And his report was that he he definitely hit it. And as soon as he shot this creature, uh, it made the sound like a tin can rattling. And it flew back like three or four feet and then got up and started walking to the house again. So it almost seems like these creatures are bulletproof, you know. Uh, definitely affected wow. in some way by him. But uh, there's a definite sound when it hit him. And, uh, but they still got right back up and started coming back at the house. Uh, at one point, Lucky actually was out on the front porch and looked out and one of these creatures was on the roof and grabbed Lucky by his hair and started trying to pull him on the roof with him. And the rest of the family pulled him back down. Um, and so the siege went on for hours and eventually there's a lull where the whole family packed up and went to... Uh, the sheriff's station and made a report about it. And uh, so the, not only did the sheriff send some deputies out there, they're right there by Fort Campbell 
the military base. So some military police got sent out. Uh, they did a full search, and they never really found anything. They found evidence of, you know, something being fired at. And at one point, one of the police officers found this uh, glowing substance on the ground. But when he tried to, like, collect uh, a sample of it, it just kind of dissipated in his hands. It was, like, too, you know, gooey to really even be able to collect a sample of. And so the cops went out there. They didn't, you know, find conclusive evidence. And they told the family, basically, call us if anything else happens. And the cops left, and the family went to sleep. And literally about an hour later, uh, the grandmother of the family woke up looked out the window and saw one of these creatures again. And another siege happened that lasted an hour or two uh, that night. And they eventually fought him off, never saw the creatures again. But the very next day, actually, the media came and uh, the house was besieged by people for about two weeks just trying to get, like, you know, a glimpse of these creatures it was so awful that the family, after two weeks, they sold the property and just moved away, you know. Wow. Um, wow. But the one of the journalists that was reporting on the story uh, came up with a term that had never been used to describe aliens before, um, it, before this Hopkinsville uh, encounter. And that term was little green men. And mm. so we've heard that. Of course, countless times dealing with aliens and the uh, origin, original origin story of it was uh, Hopkinsville, Kentucky. So, wow. And what and what year was that again? Uh, it was 1955, I believe. Okay. Wow. And uh, a, another interesting side story, uh, the CIA, of course, never has any interest in any alien abduction or encounter stories. So they never send anyone out to investigate these, except in this Hopkinsville case. It was the only documented time, a time that the CIA ever sent out an agent. And it was this guy named John Mulholland. And they sent him out to investigate if these people were part of some sort of you know, psychic operation, if they were, you know, if Russians came and tricked these people, or if there was actual aliens. And mm -hmm. uh, interesting side note about John Mulholland, uh, again, is, um, I don't know if you guys have seen the Netflix show Wormwood. It's about the uh, CIA agent that threw himself out of a window uh, in New York after he was doing uh, some undercover stuff for MK Ultra, but really the story is he was dosed with acid from one of the CIA people for MK, MK Ultra, and um, the 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 CIA hired a stage magician to teach the CIA agents how to dose people's drinks without them knowing with acid, and the stage magician that they hired to teach CIA people was this John Mulholland that they sent out to Hopkinsville, Kentucky to investigate okay. these aliens. It's a very strange situation. It there. is. <laughs> to be sure. Oh my gosh. Wow. You know what? We're a little late for our break. This is so fun. We just kind of went through the first 
31 minutes. So <laughs> we need to take a break. Everyone stay with us. This is the Gathering Radio Show on the Para-X Radio Network. Those geek ladies charmed and Victoria from exploring the paranormal with Geeks Paranormal are at it again with another amazing season full of paranormal celebrity interviews with amazing guests and stories of haunted locations and so much more. You will hear it first on Para-X. Tune in Wednesday nights, 8 p.m. Central. You will not be disappointed. with Cat Paranormal of Minnesota. And I'm Jerry Ayers with Supernatural Investigators of Minnesota. And together, we are The Calling. Every Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, only on ParaXRadioNetwork.com. Anywhere. Thanks for making Para-X part of your day. Your source for everything paranormal. Para-X. Welcome back to the Gathering Radio Show on the Para-X Radio Network. And we have Kyle Cadell here from the International Paranormal Museum. And we're talking about little green men and Mothman and all sorts of fun things because we're doing a cryptid Christmas here. And Kyle is our resident expert here on cryptids. We're highlighting his cryptids, famous cryptids at his museum in Kentucky. And uh, Kyle, what's next on your list of cryptids that you want to talk about this Christmas season? Yeah, so of course, probably the most famous cryptid is Bigfoot, you know. Mm-hmm. And he is, he has a prominent place in our museum. Um, really, all I want to talk about, though, is we have I think five casts that are from Kentucky in our museum. Two of them are actually from our county, Pulaski County. Uh, They were found, uh, we have a huge lake here called Lake Cumberland. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's laked up by a dam that we have, uh, Wolf Creek Dam. And in 2007 to 2009, there was a crack in the dam. And so all of our lake was lowered so that they could fix it. And in May of 2007, uh, an investigator I know, Thomas Shea, actually got several reports of Bigfoot sightings here, like in our lake area in Pulaski County. And resulting from that, he actually got two uh, full footprint casts that he found uh, in our county uh, in May 2007 under Fishing Creek Bridge. And those two original casts are actually on display in our museum right now. Uh, they estimated that creature was about eight foot tall. Um, they were pretty average size uh, footprints that we found. 
But uh, those are two of my favorite that we have actually on display in the museum. Very cool. <laughs> and then um, Thomas Shea is actually most well known for this specific cast. He was able to create in, uh, I think, 2017 or 18. Uh, it's known as the telecast. And he found it in uh, Trimble County, Kentucky um, from that date. And uh, Cliff Berkman from Finding Bigfoot actually holds it up as one of his favorite castings uh, ever created. Oh, wow. So, uh, Thomas, in, in I believe it was 2017, don't quote me on that, but um, he had the idea to make this trap that uh, with PVC pipe and some snags that would possibly get the hair off of a Bigfoot creature, you know? So basically it was a giant PVC pipe that with a tree at the end of it that uh, Bigfoot would reach into and it would grab some of the hair. Uh, well, unfortunately, the idea did not work, but uh, the treat that he had for it was a jar of Nutella, which is, <laughs> of course, delicious, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he left it out uh, in the woods in this area where he knew some Bigfoot had been. Mm -hmm. And he um, came back a few days later to check on the tree, on the trap. And unfortunately something had ripped it out of the, uh, the tree that it was in and it ripped the Nutella out of the PVC pipe. And so there's no hair stuck in the PVC pipe and it was basically a failure of an experiment. So he was grabbing it all up and putting it in his truck, and he got to the jar of Nutella, and he noticed that um, it had been opened. And so he checked in it, and something had scooped its mm. hand into the jar of Nutella and left it there. So he had a cooler with him. He immediately put the jar of Nutella on ice, which froze it, got back home, and poured the casting material into the jar of Nutella. And What's so this? what we have on display in the museum is one of these copies. And mm -hmm. there's uh, three to four noticeable fingerprints where they've scooped in. And there's even places that you can tell that there's fingernails on whatever scooped it out. And, you know, like I have giant fingers myself. These mm -hmm. fingers are, you know, twice as big as my fingers at least, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. And so... It's one of the only, like, there's several, like, Paul Freeman got some hand casts, and Thomas had even gotten some hand casts, but this is the only, like, uh, scooping cast that there mm -hmm. has ever been in existence. Was he at CryptidCon, like, in yeah. 2018? And yeah, is he with the, is it with, met is, him. And is he with the Kentucky, is it Kentucky Bigfoot? He, he's the he runs the northern Kentucky big okay. not the Charlie yeah. Raymond one, but he his is in northern Kentucky and he sets up at these types of things too. Yeah, yeah, we met, definitely talked to him for quite a while, and he said, "Oh, you girls need to come down and you know come investigate with us." But you know, Kentucky's a long way from Minnesota. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe someday we can just do it in conjunction with maybe a cryptid con. You know what I mean? But yeah, yeah. Yeah, he invited me to a few hunts with him that I haven't been able to go to. But I can't wait to, because he actually has more uh, footprints or casts 
than anyone else on the East Coast. And almost all of them he's found himself, and almost all of them were in the state of Kentucky, you know? He actually right now has um, some hair with, that he brought to CryptidCon, and it's thick and wiry, and he actually sent a sample of it to uh, Dr. Jeff Meldrum at Idaho State University. And uh, Jeff Meldrum confirmed that it matches these other unidentified samples that they have that they believe are from Bigfoot. That's awesome. Wow. That's totally awesome. Yeah, he had some really good stories. I mean, they talked about making stick structures, too, because we had just made our own stick structure up here in our research area for fun. And yeah. They had done that, too, but theirs had been totally ripped apart. Now, ours has not. In fact, it almost looks like something has put more sticks on it, which is interesting, right? Really? Yeah, I mean, it's been three years, right? And what's interesting is all the other structures that were around the one that we constructed have kind of fallen or been taken apart, whatever. But the one that we built seems like there are more sticks. I mean, we can show, we have pictures, you know, but it seems bigger than it was when we made it. So maybe they liked ours better. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of bizarre, right? Totally opposite behavior. Yeah, that's fascinating. And it's not, it's hard to make those things, you know, and I yeah. know we're just, we're girls and we're not as strong as, as guys, whatever, but we had a hard time with that. So I can imagine you really have to be a Bigfoot to make these big structures, you know? So these, these big timbers that are on the, are the one that we built now that we didn't put there. I can't imagine somebody, a human dragging that over there and, you know, putting it up. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? It's bizarre. Um, Whenever you guys come to Kentucky next, you guys should make a trip down here to Somerset. We have this road oh. called uh, Strawberry Road where off of it there's never been any place in my life where I've seen uh, almost every example of a Bigfoot stick structure in one area mm, before yeah. to this area. There's Very like cool. the arches, there's the asterisks, there's the teepees like mm -hmm. everything is just in this one area which we've already mm. thought was strange for other reasons and then mm -hmm. we find all these bigfoot stick structures you know right well <laughs> i think bigfoot is multi-dimensional and i think we've talked about this before but i think that the arches are kind of portals you know because yeah. we also find energy underneath many of them you know so yeah. but interesting stuff but yeah you know one of my favorite kentucky monsters of course is the public trestle the goat man oh yeah Goatman is featured prominently in our museum, and you know he's you know there's several Goatmen. Uh, mm -hmm. I think the famous, the most famous, is probably the Maryland one because uh, he is reported to have an axe that he chops up his victims with, and there have been several homeless people in the area where he's said to inhabit that have been found murdered. You know. So I think he's one of the most famous, but uh, our our Kentucky one here definitely has a countable uh, or tangible body count with it as well. You know, we have, um, see, ours inhabits uh, a train trestle, which is just this giant train bridge that looks abandoned. It's all rusted and everything, but it's still very much in use. It's 
been around since the early 1900s. I think 1920s is when it was built. But, uh, of course, the urban legends make it sound like it's much older. Mm -hmm. And um, it does look like it wouldn't sustain a train, but it absolutely does. Um, Mm -hmm. And supposedly that's what the goat man inhabits. Mm -hmm. Uh, And his favorite way to call victims is through voice mimicry. He'll get up on this uh, train trestle and then call from the voice of your mother or your husband or whatever and just, hey, come out onto the on the bridge. And so you think, what is my mom doing out on this bridge? And you walk out onto it and a train comes and kills you. So mm-hmm. that's his his choice way of murder here. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. there have been, uh, I don't have the exact number in front of me, but there have been at least eight people that have died on this train trestle, and some of them specifically saying they're looking for the goat man. Mm-hmm. The most recent was just a few years ago. It was mm-hmm. a teenage girl who mm-hmm. went out there uh, with her boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And um, a train came. He was able to hang off the side of this mm-hmm. bridge, which is a miracle in itself because mm-hmm. there's nothing on that bridge. Uh, but she wasn't able to get down in time, and she was hit by the train and killed, you know? Well, yeah, you know, have you investigated it? Have you been there, Kyle? I've been there a couple times. I have never went up and climbed up on the dress. And you should. for you. And you should. But I tell you what, there there was once a time that I was there, and I didn't have protections on, you know, whatever. I was silly. But I did have this feeling like, I need to get up on the trestle. I'm like, I just had this overwhelming need to get up there. And I was even scoping out that gate that's so padlocked. And I'm like, I think we need to get up on the trestle. Come on, Katie, we got to get up on the trestle. You know, and then the girls called me back for something. And so I went back and then and then I, I said to myself, what is going on? You got to shake this. You got to put the protections up. And so then I did and it was gone. But yes. yeah, for a minute there was rampant. I was like, I got to get up there. And um we got this picture and I can send it to you, but it was a, we did a, like a live or something. And in this live, the film, we, we stopped, you know, we had, we took out a frame of it and right behind me is this like phantom, like figure with ears, like goat man. I will send it to you. Yes. Find it and send it to you. It's amazing. Whether it's just, you know, not really anything, you know, it could be just the film or whatever, I don't know. I mean, it's very odd that it was like right there and it was like over for several frames. You know what I mean? I don't know. And that was before I chucked it. But so then I knew after that, that we had to protections, everybody protections, everybody don't let anybody go up there. And we actually did when we went to the last time we were at CryptidCon, we all did an investigation there, Heidi. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. And we caught some pretty good EVPs. You know, it was like just crazy stuff, actually, you know, but I would like to do it again sometime, you know? Yeah, it's it's so weird to me that, like, not only is there the story of the goat man there, which is, of course, very, you know, satyr-influenced, very sa- satanic-influenced, even, but, like, minus that, there's still the lore of that bridge where everyone I've ever talked to that's grown up in that area used to run as fast as they could around that bridge 
when they were a child to beat the train, you Mm -hmm. know? And, like, everyone that's ever been around there has ran across that train bridge, whether or not they've heard the stories of the goat man. And Mm -hmm. so what is it about that area that is now turned into a public park that, like, draws people to it, you know? Oh, yeah. It's crazy. It's, yeah, it's a scary it's kind of a spooky place, too. You know what I yeah. mean? But that energy, and I can totally see why people get sucked up into running up there and getting up there on that trestle. And I think one of them was actually a, a paranormal investigator, right? So they should have, well, yeah. I should have known better, right, than to let that thing get through my defenses or whatever. And I just was like, I remember Katie saying, you can't do that because if you go up there, I'll have to go up there. And then we'll both be dead. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, we got to go. We got to go. I think we can get through here. <laughs> so, yeah, it was the craziest thing. Yeah. So there's something, something there. I don't know what it is, but yeah. Oopta is what I'll say. Yeah. I don't, uh, if you guys can ever make it down during the fall season, mm-hmm. uh, I've never been either, but the, apparently they have a haunted house in that park. That is like based on the Goatman legend. So mm-hmm. like every scare comes from like one of the origin stories of the Goatman or anything like that. And they have several people dressed up in these pan like outfits to scare people. I feel like that sounds awesome, you know? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I do too. I do too. I think it would be fun. And yes, we do have to get down there. I know we say this every time we talk to you, Kyle. Yeah. We're coming down. We're coming down. We're gonna do this. But maybe maybe 2022 will be a little bit easier for COVID and we can get down there or, you know, whatever. At least maybe to CryptidCon next year, you know, and then we can just kind of swing down, you know. For sure. We can go on a nice old adventure. I don't know if you guys have listened to the Penny Royal podcast we did, mm-hmm. but we talk a lot about this weird, like, used to be a mine area, but now it's all National Forest, Daniel Boone National Forest here in our county where a lot of weird things seem to have happened. And uh, that definitely would be a great place for all of us to do uh, an investigation. Oh, yeah. I would love it for sure. Try to get that on the calendar at some point. Okay, so next on the list. So we've talked about Bigfoot, Goatman, Mothman, uh, Little Green Goblins. What else would you like to talk about? Um, so one of my favorite cryptids, and they have nothing to do with Kentucky, uh, are the Fresno Nightcrawlers. Have you guys heard of those guys? Mm -hmm. All right. (laughs) So they were seen in, uh, California, um, I think about a decade ago. I think it was 2008 that the, uh, footage came out of them. But basically they are the number one most adorable cryptid you will ever see in your life. Aww. (laughs) They basically look like a white pair of walking pants and that all they do is like kind of stagger back and forth. Uh, If you Google Fresno Nightcrawler GIF, um, you'll get a GIF of the original security footage they were seen on at a golf course. And literally they just like wobble back and forth and um, they they're just so adorable and I just wanted to bring them up because I want to try to figure out a stationary display of them. And I'm trying to think of, like, I think it would be the cheesiest, most wonderful <laughs> thing in our museum where it's like just a white pair of sweatpants just like stuffed 
and then put on like a bicycle uh like gear but <laughs> like with a motor going so it just like goes back and forth Table the whole time it's open you know but yeah they are literally the cutest cutest cryptid you'll ever seen it's just a cute little walking pair of sweatpants <laughs> so what is but they don't so they don't do anything they're just seen they, uh yeah they they've there's the only like uh origin story is from this this like uh uh golf club footage of them just walking you know slowly down a hill of this golf course uh in Fresno California so there's not a uh <laughs> they haven't done anything you know nefarious yet that we know of <laughs> <laughs> wow. well good yeah. Because how would you describe that? The pants did it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the pants just came and abducted me, I guess. <laughs> the pants did it. <laughs> yeah, they know. are so adorable. Uh, we have these friends called, uh, their company name is Crypt- Cryptid Comforts, and they make like little stuffed animals of cryptids and stuff. Um and we have bought, uh, they do catnip toys. And we bought some catnip toys at the Fresno Nightcrawlers from them uh, for our museum gift shop. And literally, they just look like a little pair of white pants with two black eyes on them. And they're, my cats love them. So. <laughs> I love it. Where do you get those? I was going to say, maybe my zoo uh, would like them. Yeah, Cryptid Comforts. They're on Etsy and everything. Lisa oh, okay. runs them is wonderful. So. Um, cool. Cool. All right. We've got a couple minutes left. Well, Steph, why don't we do our um, our sibling show promotion here? Yes. So on our sibling show this week, they're going to be talking about flat earthers. People oh. that believe the earth is flat. That Isn't interesting. that interesting? I mm-hmm. don't know anything about it. So I guess we'll, you know, we'll listen to it. Tune in. The Flat Earthers had a cruise earlier this year, which the cruise ship literally runs on GPS technology that only runs because the world's a globe. The Earth is round. You know, so (laughs) I don't know how that cruise worked out. I know, right? (laughs) Yeah, how does that work? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know much about them. I don't know if you guys do either, but uh, I know when they said that, I'm just like serious okay <laughs> um crazy so well I'll, well everybody should listen and see what it is that these people believe because obviously they don't believe in science you know so <laughs> but yeah so that's tomorrow night it's the calling radio show on wednesday night at 8 p.m eastern standard time right here on the para x network so awesome, Fast. We still have some time left. So is there anything else you want to stick right in? Um, that is the majority. Of course, we cover uh, my favorite thing in the museum. The whole out of the whole museum we have is related to the Mothman, like we talked about. Mm-hmm. We have a piece of the Silver Bridge that collapsed in 1967. That's cool. Uh, it was donated to us by a West Virginia resident that found it. And... I was very happy about that. That is very cool. But other than that, we cover, of course, the Flatwoods Monster, which was seen in West Virginia 
1952. It was investigated by Ivan Sanderson, and he actually has been recorded telling the story of the investigation. It's like a 20-minute listen, if you can find that recording. Mm -hmm. It's fascinating because it has, like, details about... He thought it was like a War of the Worlds Mm -hmm. type uh, invasion because, like, five or six UFOs were seen that night that matched the UFO that the Flatwoods monster showed up in. Mm -hmm. So it's a very fascinating story. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, you know, when we were at Crypticon, there were so many people that came up and told us some really cool stories. You know what I mean? Not just about Bigfoot, but about other things as well. You know, even I I think Lizard Man, Lizard Man, Kyle, Lizard Man. We have the Kentucky Lizard Man. We actually have a display we're working on of him right now. Mm-hmm. Um, our newest display is the Hodag, which is up there in Wisconsin. And mm-hmm. he was, uh, you know, more than likely, uh, probably not a real cryptid. But enough energy and thought has been put into him. There's probably a tulpa of him somewhere in Wisconsin terrorizing people, you know. Mm-hmm. Isn't that cool? I love it. I love it. There's just so much unknown that we don't know about and we hear stories. So, you know, these people have seen something. I don't know what they've seen, but something that scared the bejeebies out of them, right? Just like the Mothman. But, you know, in the movie, I don't know if this is true in real life, but in the movie, so when they see these things, they always had a little etching of the Mothman, right? So it was on the front of the car that his wife was in. And that woman that had seen him in the tree in Point Pleasant, remember the tree had like a little scraping of like that same symbol? Of course, it's all fiction. But I'm just wondering if it's based on something in reality, you know, that maybe this is what happens when somebody sees a Mothman. Yeah. Pretty cool. You know? uh, there's um, Small Town Monsters did the documentary The Mothman Legacy. And they mm-hmm interviewed a couple of the people that were to do with the Mothman Prophecies movie. So I wonder, I've, I haven't watched it in detail, but it'd be interesting to see what they have to say about it. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Very cool. Well, Kyle, thank you again for another fabulous, fabulous show. Cause this has been so fun. I love it. Yay. Yay. Uh, thank you all so much for having me on. Oh, absolutely. And just so people that aren't in the chat room, too, just check out uh, Kyle's website for his museum. It's internationalparanormalmuseum.com, internationalparanormalmuseum.com. And you'll see everything that they're working on. You get their location, their hours, their store, everything Mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. Yep. And check out our podcast, Penny Royal. Uh, It's available on everything. You listen to podcasts. Mm -hmm. It's kind of just a insight into the weird area that we live in in here kentucky so yeah perfect perfect awesome well heidi everyone listen have a very merry christmas a happy yule tonight happy solstice yeah wonderful christmas next week i believe heidi and i will be in studio together and and Kristen too maybe and we're going to talk about the year of the gathering (laughs) year in review year in review So join us then, and um, thank you to everyone listening tonight, and especially to the troops. Thank you so much. Be safe, and we thank you for your service. And everybody in the chat room, thanks for all your comments, and it was good to see you all this holiday week. And wherever anybody is out there listening, thank you for tuning in. 
Thank you to the Parax Radio Network for hosting us. We always love it here and love every week. And Sarge, our most amazing producer, best producer on the planet. Thank you so much for pulling this all together every week. Absolutely. <laughs> Couldn't do it without you. <laughs> all right, everyone. Thank you. Happy, happy Christmas week. We will see you next week. Thanks, everybody. Good night. See you all.